He's risen. He's risen yeah. Well, I used to hate that phrase growing up because we would say it every Easter. And they'd say it to you in the bathroom where you don't want anyone talking to you. They say it to you in the hallway. They say it to you everywhere. He is risen. Oh, he is risen indeed. Oh, my goodness. We get it. He's alive. But you know what? It doesn't change the truth, does it? It's interesting how we will take traditions and say they have no more value because we've done them so much. One of the, one of the flaws that we have in humanity is that we think repetition diminishes the power of something. But he has risen. And there's no diminishing that. Amen? Amen. So I say again, he has risen. risen All right. That needs to stick around. Amen? Amen. Well, first, what I want to do is I want to to get back into prayer here. Because we're not the only church celebrating today. And we are one church in the name of Jesus Christ. Not just Bridgewood, but all the churches around us. So we want to bless them um, as they step in to God's presence, and as they celebrate, and as they teach, and as they receive, and as they worship. So please join me in prayer this morning. Lord, first we want to say thank you for who you are. Even before the cross in the empty grave, we thank you for who you are. And we would ask, Lord, what do you want to say to us this morning? We are yours. And how would you want us to respond? Lord, we bless every church around the world. Every single person, every pastor, every worship, every staff member, every person in the congregations, they would come to know who you are in a deeper way. Some for the first time, and some just falling more deeply in love with you than they were the day before. And we pray for that in this place right now, that you would have your way, that you would do whatever you want to do and we would let you do it. No matter what we brought in, maybe it's a disbelief or an anger towards you. Maybe it's we couldn't wait to get here and celebrate you. Maybe we're somewhere in, the, in between. Or we give ourselves to you. Do what you want to do. We give you the expectations. We give you the agenda. So we thank you, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we talk about repetition, it's hard to, when you're, especially as a pastor, how do you reinvent Easter? It's the dumbest thing ever. How do you reinvent Easter? Has anyone heard that phrase? Or heard that mentality? It's like, okay, how do we make it fresh, hip, and new? How do I preach something that hasn't been preached before? That's a fool's errand. It's an absolute fool's errand. So what we really should be doing is what? Say, Lord, what do you want to say today? And if it's something that we've heard before, it's because you want us to. You want us to hear it. So what would he have us say today? Well, here's what the Lord's been putting on my heart, and I just want to throw this out there today, and I want us to wrestle with it a little bit, Um, and I don't want to take too much time. But when I look at around us and I look at the culture around us, there's something we're all searching for. You can see it everywhere. Everyone is searching for some type of savior. You look in our movies, 
You look in our books and you look at the culture around you and you can see it everywhere. Everywhere. Who can see it? And saviors from all different kinds, shapes, and sizes. From, from a belief in oneself, from a belief that, you know, I have freedom so I can do whatever I want, and that in itself is my savior, this, this false sense of freedom, to uh, the right person in the presidential office, to the right person or the right boss or the right spouse or the right this, the right that, the right this, the right that. And guess what? It never, ever satisfies, which is why the world keeps searching for something that's already been revealed. Already been revealed. Anyone like the movies? Other than me, come on, you can raise your hands. Okay. All right. I just call us lazy readers. We don't like to read. We want to watch stuff. Okay? It's just how I am. You can see the expression in the questions in the search for this kind of savior or this kind of redemption on screen. And guess what? Almost all of it has roots in the one that is our true savior. I'm a Star Wars guy. I like Star Wars. It's fun. And you can even see in Star Wars, it's a regurgitation of the Jesus narrative. You can see in Lord of the Rings, it's a metaphor for what? The Jesus narrative. You can see all these different films that are putting someone up, and sometimes there's death and resurrection involved. But for some reason, the culture, the world around us cannot settle into the fact that the Messiah has already been revealed in spirit and in truth. Because guess what? It's not the Messiah we're looking for. Jesus, I'll tell you, was not the Messiah I was looking for, and I grew up in the church. I was looking for a Messiah that was going to give me comfort, that was going to give me relief from my circumstances, Ah, and I could breathe and get what I want. If I were to put it plainly, I could put it in more spiritual lingo to make it sound less selfish. But it's true. I wanted something. I I wanted Jesus to be made in the image of my desires. And that's what I looked for. Anyone in that camp with me? Guess what? It's called making Jesus in your own image. And the church has done that. The church has made Jesus in their own image. And guess what? The world has done that. And we try to take what is simple and good and true and has power, and we dilute it because of our, what we think our desires are. And then we're always in search for something, and we're never going to find it because our desires never satisfy. They never do. One of the worst things in life for me is when I get what I want. Anyone still living with those consequences? Yeah. I want this, I want this, I want this, and I think it's good for me, and I think it's right for me, and I get it, and guess what? I don't like it because it doesn't have anything to do with my risen Lord. See, Jesus, in Romans 5, we are told that Jesus came. He died at the right time, in the right place for your sins and for my sins and demolishes the consequence of death so that we could have access to him eternally. Now we hear this a lot and this is how we make him in our own image and we make the scriptures in our own image. We think it's just about what we get as far as resources. Oh, I'm gonna get eternal life. Is that true? Amen, it is true. Praise God. 
free from sin and death? That's true. Amen. But it also becomes very me-centric. Every song we sang this morning was about whom? Jesus. Because guess what? He conquered sin and death to keep you. To keep you. So when we die and leave this world, who are we with for eternity? Jesus. It's not eternity of getting everything I think I want, every sinful desire, or, or every little, uh, you know, I get, well, now I can get a Corvette without having to pay for it. Oh, now I can eat all I want without putting on the LBs. Or now I can get all I want without having already, you know, I, all these different things we think we want are not healthy for us. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. And the Messiah is right in front of us. We keep regurgitating it, making it something he's not. And he's saying, I'm right here. I was watching um, well, those Tom Hanks movies about those, uh, those novels by uh, Dan Brown, where it's this symbologist, I don't even know if that's what they're called, and the Da Vinci Code and others. And, and uh, you know, I think it's, you know. But I like the whole Indiana Jones kind of thing. And watching how God is interpreted. And watching how... The church has interpreted God. And then we have to defend him. And then we have to do these things on behalf of him. And then all these horrible things have happened throughout our history in the name of Jesus because we feel for some reason he's not God enough that we have to step in and do things for him. But let me tell you something. No one could do what he did. What makes us think we could do anything for him or need to do anything for him if we can't even do that. You can't save yourself. Only he can do that. And then we go, well, Jesus disappoints because there's still suffering. <laughs> when does he ever promise there won't be suffering? If anything, when we step into relationship with our true Messiah, it gets harder. Much harder but simpler. See, why would Jesus make things complicated in the midst of really challenging circumstances? So now you have harder circumstances, and now no, you have no idea what to do. That sounds like a really good God, doesn't it? He simply says, I'm the way, the what? Truth and the life. Follow me. Follow me. He didn't say, Go start 40 different ministries and spread yourself so thin you're burned out and now resentful. Does he say that? He says, go and make disciples. But he doesn't say, go take that hill for me because I'm too lazy to do it. Does he say that? No. He says, yoke yourself to me. Follow me. He is always present. Because without me, everything will consume you. Has anyone felt consumed lately by your circumstances? I want to read you something from 1 Peter. And this is to be an encouragement. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus 
from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. How many? All. All. All kinds of trials. These have come so that, the, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. He promises harder times, but joy and hope in the midst of those hard times. People, we live in a day and age where people need to see the church stand in hope and faith and joy in Jesus Christ in the midst of this turmoil around us. That is what we do. And it is a struggle and it is not fun and we want relief. But guess what? We have something greater than relief. We have redemption. Relief is temporary. Redemption that comes from what happened on the cross and the grave is eternal. And it leads us to him. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to you and me walking with Jesus in the garden. That's what it is. That's how it started. That's what he wants. And people go, that's too simple. Praise God. Because I don't have the intellect to comprehend anything more than that. Oh, you mean you want me to hold your hand and walk in beautiful landscape? I can do that. That's the gift. That's the gift. That's what we. In- that's our inheritance is to be with Him. And for some, that's not enough. So we look for something else and try to find something else, another Savior. Well, guess what? There isn't another one coming. He's it. He's it. And if we would still ourselves enough to see him and open our hearts to him in a way that we haven't before, you will see the beauty of that simplicity of relationship. You'll see it. You know, we look, one of my favorite gospels is John because John walks with a swag. He knows, right? He walks with a little swagger because he knows he's, he's Jesus, one of his number ones. But what I love about John's gospel is it gives us certain information we don't see in the other gospels. It gives us certain details. But one of the things that he says, you know, we have John 3, 16 and following, and that we, we bank everything on that. But one of the things that he says in chapter 20, he says this, he says, all of these things is after Jesus saw the disciples and had his encounter with Thomas who needed to see the wounds. And Jesus says, it's, by, it's not by this side, it's by faith. And John goes, I am writing all of this. Everything that you see in his gospel, he says, I am writing this to you so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and he's yours. So that you would believe and know him. 
not intellectually. There are so many people that might believe in him intellectually but have no idea who he is. We have churches filled with people like that. I can come into agreement with something intellectually, but that doesn't mean I'm going to engage you with my heart. So when we talk about belief, what do you think I mean by that? Agreement with the information? Or engagement with the reality and the impact of the information? That's all he wants. He died and raised again simply to keep you so that you would know him. And this is the Savior we got. It may not be the one you were looking for. Praise God, he wasn't the one I was looking for. Because my imagination isn't big enough to come up with that. Is yours? No. So we celebrate. And he is given, we give him all the glory, no matter your circumstance. Life is hard. And at times, it feels like I don't have any more breath to give it. But there's hope. There's hope in him. There's joy in him. And he gives me fresh wind in my lungs to breathe. And I celebrate no matter my circumstances because I know my eternity is secure. Not just I live forever, but I live forever with him. In relationship. So I breathe again. I hope again. Because of who he is. That's good news. But look at the things we fight over. He, is, he deserves all the glory and all the praise. But if we don't worship him with a hymn or a contemporary song or this or that, it divides us. Who cares? As long as he gets the glory. Because he is the Messiah we weren't looking for. And is the only one we'll get. And he loves you. He died and raised again to keep you so that you would be with him. He is a jealous God. He is, wants you. You. And he doesn't want to share you with sin, which is why he did what he did. Can we celebrate that? We're going to worship some more, and I want some ruckus in this place. <laughs> Amen. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. He is risen. Bless this time, Lord. Bless the offering. Bless the worship. And may it be about you. We want to glorify you. In Jesus' name, for you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. We glorify you. You are deserving of all the glory and all the praise. Mm. And I pray that every church in this country and beyond its borders will glorify you in this moment. It's not about the Easter eggs. It's not about attractional this, attractional that. It's about you and you alone. And we thank you. We worship you and you alone. We will not steal your glory. It belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
But I'm not the same A prodigal return And all my hope is in Jesus Thank God my yesterday is Then he picked me up and he showed me 